Michael, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Please tell us a little bit about yourself and your involvement with the Partners in Care program. Yeah. Uh, well, my name is Michael Randolph. I'm a licensed professional counselor. I work here uh, at the Mental Health Cooperative here in Nashville, Tennessee. I've been doing uh, crisis mental health care for about 15 years. As soon as I got out of grad school, I ended up in crisis and ended up loving it. Um, Partners in Care has kind of been an evolution uh, the last few years and uh, of a partnership between the city of Nashville and our uh, first responder services and mental health cooperative. And what we do is we pair uh, crisis counselors um, with police officers, and they primarily answer mental health crisis calls, uh, but also go out and try to just help people. And why was the Partners in Care program established? What's your mission? Yeah, uh, our mission is to one, uh, get people out of the criminal justice system who are having a mental health issue and get them into the healthcare system and out of the criminal justice system uh, and to streamline care from the moment someone is in crisis uh, to the moment they begin treatment and the safety for someone in crisis, the counselors, first responders and the public. And why was the program started? Yeah, uh, it was started uh, because in 2020, uh, Nashville was getting a new police chief and the mayor's office made a policing policy commission to kind of overview uh, any improvements that needed to be made with the police force. One of the recommendations that came out of it was uh, crisis intervention training. And then on top of that, uh, co-response type of program. Uh, At that point, we were able to kind of write up a proposal and we had a pilot that went from June 28th of 2001 to June 28th of uh, this year. And then uh, we thankfully got some funding to expand citywide. And which areas do you uh, currently serve within the uh, Partners in Care program? Yeah, uh, right now we're in three out of the out of eight police precincts. We're in the North Hermitage and Central Precinct and launching uh, in the South Precinct in November. Those are the four busiest precincts of the city. And we really try to use data to kind of drive our decision making as a program. And how exactly does the Partners in Care program work? Uh, Please give us an example. Yeah, uh, honestly, every day is kind of a new adventure. We are trained in dealing with acute mental health crisis, which what we define as uh, someone going through some suicidal ideation or maybe in a suicide attempt, someone who may be experiencing some psychosis, which could be auditory hallucinations, hearing voices, it could be delusions, uh, and it's somebody who could be at imminent risk at harming themselves or, or someone else or just not having the ability to care for themselves at this time. So all of our crisis counselors are trained to deal with those acute crises, but also trained to deal with less acute crises. So we might show up and, you know, someone's called about their family member who maybe posted something on social media um, and they were worried about them and, you know, worried that they might hurt themselves or, you know, trying to take their own life. Uh, And our car would be the one to go to that person's house and check on them to make sure they're okay. And at that point, like we had a situation where, you know, we knocked on the door, they they came out and started crying and, and said that they really wanted help and we were able to connect them with treatment. Tell us a little bit more about who exactly it is that you help. We help anyone in Nashville who's in a crisis. So uh, we will answer any call. It doesn't matter about insurance, where you live, you know, what you look like. It, it, nothing matters. We just want to help the people who need help. So it doesn't matter who is calling. We're, all, most of the calls are coming through 911 dispatch. Or, and, and so we are there to support first responders as they, they have been responding to these mental health crises without a lot of support. And so it is our job to support them and respond and try to get these people help and, and help the first responders deal with these kind of calls. Tell us about the clinicians involved in the program. What kind of training uh, do they receive? 
Yeah, uh, all of our crisis counselors, uh, for, the, for the pilot, we had six volunteers from our, our crisis team volunteer to come over and be in this program. As we've expanded, and Ms. V was one of our first uh, additions, uh, we've, we've hired new master's level clinicians. So they all have their master's degree in a mental health field. And also they go through uh, training with our crisis team. Uh, they go through rigorous training on how to do you know, suicide risk assessment, crisis assessments. We really want to meet people where they're at and get their story about what led to the crisis at this moment and get as much information as possible to try to be able to help them, get them into treatment and maybe hopefully getting them out of state of crisis. Uh, our clinicians go through a lot of mental health training and verbal de-escalation training. They also get trained uh, by the police on their um, policies and procedures, what their de-escalation training is on state laws, when there's discretion or not a discretion to arrest, uh, and a lot of and situational awareness and safety. And are they always dispatched with an officer? Yes. So our clinicians are assigned. A, we're in the, the morning shift and the evening shift, uh, Monday through Friday in these police precincts. So we're 6 a.m. to midnight. Our clinicians show up to roll call every day at these precincts. They are embedded in the police precincts. They are these officers' co-workers. Uh, they show up every day. They only ride with officers who've gone through our 40-hour crisis intervention training uh, and have been trained uh, in mental health response. So our clinicians ride with those specially trained officers. They show up every day, they embed themselves in those details, and it kind of just changes how things are done. And what's the goal when assisting uh, people in crisis? The goal for assisting people in crisis is to safely de-escalate someone in their crisis state, kind of assess what is going on, meet that person where they're at, see what kind of needs they have in this moment, see if they need mental health treatment at that, at that time, and then guide them into that treatment. Uh, it could be connecting someone to an outpatient appointment, and at the very last resort, getting someone into a mental health hospital. So it's not always uh, taking somebody to jail, right? No. Uh, yes. We have 96% of our calls do not go to jail. We only have about a 4% arrest rate. And once there's contact between Partners in Care program staff and that particular individual, what's the next step for that person? Yeah, I, I, that's a great question. When someone's in crisis, they need help in the immediate moment. But what happens afterwards? How do we set someone up for success? Our program uh, really uh, operates on a foundation that there are a lot of great mental health agencies and community agencies out there doing a lot of great work with people. The job of Partners in Care is not to do that kind of work, it's to connect the person in crisis to the people who do that great work and to get them help. We have three levels of follow-up. Everybody who is seen in Partners in Care, they get a follow-up call within a week to kind of check on them, help them navigate getting into services or getting the help they need. If they're in an acute mental health crisis, they get follow-up. They get up to three follow-up calls in the next one to two uh, days to make sure that they got into their treatment okay, if they got into a hospital okay, check and see how they're doing. Uh, and then our third level of follow-up is the counselor could come back out and check on them in person. But we try to do that very rarely because not many people want a police car coming over to their house on a random Tuesday to check and make sure they're doing okay a week or two later. What kind of results are you seeing? Do you think the program is being successful or do you think the program is working out so far? Yeah, uh, the results have been surprising and really 
you know, positive. Uh, like I said, we only have about a 4% arrest rate. 96% of the people that we come across, they get some sort of treatment or, and about 60% of those people, their crisis is resolved on the scene and they don't go anywhere. We have made the case uh, with our numbers that there is a high acuity situation and our partners in care program is seeing people in, in very high acute mental health crises where uh, like about 40% of the people we see are actively suicidal, are going through some sort of uh, crisis where they're delusional or hearing voices, and we need to do some sort of therapeutic intervention right there in the moment. So, and we were able to keep many of these people out of the criminal justice system into the healthcare system and getting them the help they need because as our as the Nashville you know the chief of police in Nashville says chief drake and many of the, and listen to brooks that I work with they keep telling uh, telling the officers we cannot arrest our way out of this mental health problem we have to get these people help so they don't keep interacting with the criminal justice system and what about the reaction from those that you do help it's been very positive. I was talking to our follow-up specialist today about even people that have to go to a psychiatric hospital have thanked us for getting them back on their meds or helping them or meeting them where they're at in that moment. Um, we've had a lot of great success stories in this program, and I'm super proud of the work that we've done, and I'm really proud of my team. And what's the hope for Partners in Care program? What's your goal? What do you hope to accomplish? Well, we we really want to serve the community and help people in any situation we can. Um, we want to make sure we keep people in a mental health crisis out of jail the best we can. Um, we want to streamline care. We want to stop people from falling through the cracks in a very complicated healthcare system. Uh, and it, it's been very enlightening to showing up to somebody's house in the midst of a crisis and helping de-escalate and then walking them to the place they're going to get help. It, it just changes your perspective on everything. And we really want to help those people. And we're really seeing it in our data that we're helping a population that I don't think was getting served before. They, were, they may have been going to jail or they weren't getting mental health treatment. They didn't have a lot of interactions with the, the mental health system. So we are really trying to help people who've probably been underserved in the past. I think most communities need a robust crisis system. It's been exciting that the stigma of mental health has been breaking down these last few years and people openly want to get help. They want to talk about it. We want to create a system with no wrong door. Well, it doesn't matter if you call 988 or 911, whatever's going on in the moment, someone will receive the appropriate care that they need in that moment and get the help. doesn't matter where they turn to or who they call. We really need to come together as a community and help those in need. Malvina Whitley-Dye, known as Miss V, is a former police officer from Lebanon, Texas, now serving as a Metro Nashville police mental health responder. Miss V, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. What's your mission as a police mental health responder? My biggest mission, uh, of course, is to assist individuals in the place that they are in. Of course, that, that mental health place a lot of times is a little tricky and it, and it throws people off. Um, but my, and so in saying that, my greatest personal mission for assisting police with mental health and just assisting the community uh, is to try to bring back some life uh, as well as they are able to uh, to receive it. Um, and, and I say that based on the difficulty of their, their mental health um, journey. Uh, but to, to bring back some life, to bring back uh, that abundant life that all of us, I believe, deserve to have, uh, that we were born to have. So that is my hope. That is my greatest hope.
I've read that you describe your service as helping without handcuffs. Is that correct? Pretty much, yes. Okay. Um, it, it 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 was a good it was a good spin uh, that was given um, from the other interviewer, but it okay. exactly so. Um, that was always a difficult thing for me, especially when I knew that I was dealing with people who had mental health issues, and that and I knew for sure, without a doubt, that um, incarceration was not going to uh, help. Uh, with their issue because of the things that they were doing was, of course, connected and based on their mental health status. All right. And how do you determine between a standard police call and a call that might need for you to help uh, somebody who's struggling with a mental health uh, issue? Well, there are moments where um, the calls are differentiated. My calls actually come out just a little bit differently than a lot of our other crisis counselors that ride uh, co-response with the officers. I work also with a group of of officers that are strictly... it is just known when they when they go on duty that they are working either for uh, the mental health calls solely or for um, any issues involving the homeless population, and so um, they they don't get those regular calls. Um, I would say that through dispatch and through the calling, uh, you know, through the system and, the, and then the individual speaking with dispatch, they, the dispatchers are trained to know what calls um, may require solely law enforcement and then what calls may solely uh, require um, our mental health car. Either way, once the officer gets on the scene, he uh, does the um, you know, just a just that that surface uh, kind of assessment of making sure everything is safe, and then um, asking uh, his or her questions, and then coming to a conclusion of whether or not uh, the mental health uh, counselor is needed for that call. Okay, and tell us more about the kinds of situations that you encounter out in the field. What are you seeing? The things that I see are, of course, a lot of the a lot of the population that I come in contact with are are the homeless uh, population, and I, of course, have seen that um, there are a lot of individuals who are tucked away in the camps who may not be getting services for one reason or the other uh, and may have been off of of, uh, required medication or may not have been in connection with their counselor or their therapist uh, and are just in need of such. But because uh, I think there's this spirit of isolation that comes along with uh, being a part of the camps, and so people just automatically, uh, you know, they just kind of um, enmesh themselves in that spirit and they just go in hiding a lot of times and don't seek out help. I think also for some people, um, because it can be a place uh, that takes away from uh, that humanness and dignity and uh, feeling that other people care or don't care. 
you know, because a lot of times when, when homeless people are encountered and even with people, people who are mentally ill are encountered because it is not something that is an everyday normal thing for most people in their daily lives, uh, the reaction and the response is always kind of off, I guess you could say, if that's for lack of a better word. And and so, you know, the the ones that are actually mentally ill, but, en- they, but they have enough uh cognizance about them to understand uh, what is happening and that interaction that they have with another person. Uh, If they are slighted a bit, it does push them, push them away. It pushes them away from uh, trusting others. Uh, So there's just a big, it's just a huge, just like a gamut of things that occur that I've seen, but the I think the greatest ill is um, people who believe that no one cares and that no one is really concerned about the fact that they're going through something. Um, and then, of course, once they figure out, you know, there are people out there who are looking for them, you know, who are trying to find uh, them, so to speak, to, to try to provide them with some services and some assistance. Um, they, you know, open up really well, so... But it's not just people experiencing homelessness that you help, correct? Right, right. Most definitely, most definitely. We, we, I, the population is huge. Um, it is. It, it. I have been in uh, the nicest neighborhoods. I have been uh, in, of course, um, camps. I've been. I've encountered people who are just uh, in the area visiting or in the area. Uh, they moved here because of a job. Just many different individuals uh, that I have encountered. Folks coming to Nashville for uh, for the music industry and uh, just all of them. Uh, the theme, I think, for all of that is being disconnected uh, from their services, uh, whether they were receiving services here in Nashville or receiving services from um, another state or city, but being disconnected from their services that causes them to go into a place of crisis. So I, yes, I've I have encountered a lot of people, and then a lot of people who have never had mental health services at all, um, who we get calls from family members and friends that want to um, connect them with someone and and so those family members and friends knowing about our services and knowing about uh, the mobile crisis uh, connection of our uh, of mental health co-op will give us a call or will urge that individual to call so you're right it is not limited to just those individuals who are unhoused well i'm sure a lot of these encounters are very impactful to you and for that person and i read about an encounter you had involving a man with a knife that uh, that was really impactful uh, for you oh bless his heart he he was a sweetheart bless his heart uh and, and it was quite impactful it kind of uh, it, it kind of stayed with me for for a while um you know because he was he was such a sweetheart but he was just he was experiencing a very serious crisis. Tell us a little bit more about that. What happened? Uh, well, the individual was looking for uh, for a family member, uh, and and so a, a lot of times, I believe, uh, for a lot of individuals who are who are in a place of needing mental health services, 
if certain things are not going uh, or happening like they normally would be happening, um, then those individuals, I think, drop a little bit lower uh, past what we call the baseline of of, uh, of the normal mental health um, status in all of us. And so this individual uh, being unhoused was out uh, with a family member and um, that family member went missing and they just went straight into uh, crisis mode, so to speak. And so he um, he just... I could not get past or actually push himself past it, what anyone was trying to say to him, and and then it, it took him to uh, to that place of danger, uh, and actually uh, took him into a place of kind of putting others in danger as well. So um, he was he was double fold as uh, um, or that you know double edged sword kind of thing. Uh, with the mental health, uh, he was placing himself in harm's way, but it, he had also uh, was placing others in harm's way as well. Was it a positive outcome? It was a positive outcome. I um, I, I don't I don't I don't like doting too much about it because I don't think that I did anything at all. I just listened to him. And I heard what he was asking for. I heard what he was needing, and I presented that need to him, and it was just that simple. Um, he chose to drop um, the uh, knife into the river and um, chose to climb over um, over the railings and, and uh, uh, surrendered everything in his pockets. And, and, you know, it ended well because he, again, was was – he his his mind his brain was sick and bless his heart he just he needed something more than just being placed under arrest uh so um and, and he he got those services i was able to kind of um stay in touch with the hospital that uh that he was at and was able to at least know that he was there and getting treatment um, for for the uh, for what happened and what he was going through, Miss V. On a personal note, why are you doing this? What's in your heart? I believe that I was born to be a helper. You know, I recall um, a way back when having discussion with uh, friends and other individuals um, that believe they knew better would. Uh, Say things like, you know, working in social services is not gonna, not gonna get you that mansion, and I, you know, that has, you know, of course we we need that for livelihood, but at the same time, um, my greatest riches comes from being able to help people, and when I found or I realized, totally, fully realized that that I was where I was running from, which was mental health, um, and the place that I was in, that I was not helping people the way that I was supposed to. And I was I was unhappy. Um, I, I was actually sad and uh, started to feel some depression myself because I was not in the right place. Uh, and I had been doing that for, you know, well over 20 three, 24 years. And so I realized that I needed to be in the place that I was meant to be in, which was to help people 
uh, in the very, very best way that I possibly could. And again, as I said earlier, mental health and um, psychology was always um, a big part of my life and a big part of how I, or rather, uh, a a big part of, of what would always meet me at the door when I would go out on calls and such as an officer. So, and I just, I kind of think God was kind of, you know, God was, was, he was bringing that stuff to me and I kept trying to brush it off and I kept trying to, you know, brush it out of my way and, 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 and get past and do what was familiar to me. But a lot of times doing the unfamiliar is where we get our greatest joy. And I have uh, received the greatest joy of all of my 54 years of living, uh, other than giving birth to a child, living on this earth by being here and working with mental health cooperatives. So it's been a joy. How has this experience affected your faith? I've always believed in God and I've always believed in Jesus I have since increased and grown in my faith in how I uh, believe and know for myself personally how God operates in our lives and in everyone's lives. I actually am a part of a a ministry of a small church uh, here in Nashville and so have been blessed to be able to help people in that in that way in the ministry and and so it's just been it's been a, a great joy but I know for sure without a doubt that as long as we believe in him and as long as we rely on God to lead and direct us we cannot ever go wrong it's when we start doing things in and of our own will Uh, that kind of throws us off a bit. And he will make things uncomfortable for you. He made things uncomfortable for me in the last job that I had. Um, And I was, and at first I thought, I can't do this. I can't do this. And, and, but I kept hearing that whisper, but you can do this. It's what I made you for. So um, this job, the in-between the jobs before Um, My faith has just increased tremendously, and I know that he is able to help any and everyone. As long as we are open to to him and open to, you know, what it is that he has for us, he's able to help anyone. What's it like to know that you're making a positive difference in the life of someone who needs it most? It is fulfilling. Um, I try to be uh, mindful uh, not to take all credit because I know and I believe uh, just for myself personally that the strength that I have, um, the mindset, the wherewithal, the education, the knowledge, um, those witty, uh, inventive kind of things to kind of help people uh, say the right thing, uh, do the right thing at the right time, they all come from God. Um, so I'd I, I prefer to stay humble because I never want to ever take credit that I've done all of this. I haven't done anything really other than to be obedient and to listen and to, to know the directions that I'm, that I'm, you know, getting from him and actually, you know, following through uh, with those directions. So, uh, but it, it does, it does make me feel uh, worthwhile and it, you know, um, it helps to get past 
the things that I see and I hear of people who are mentally ill uh, that have the sickness and, you know, helps me to, you know, helps with hope and, and seeing things in a positive that all will be well, you know, believing that all will be well. And looking ahead, how do you hope to help in the Partners in Care program? Uh, what kind of an impact do you hope to make as a police mental health responder? My greatest hope is most definitely to show that the program works, that the program is uh, it is a strong program. It is a much-needed program. My hope is, of course, that I um, would bring about uh, the positivity that would allow our program to grow, uh, you know, exponentially and to also to, to bring about an awareness with these other agencies that are surrounding us, um, you know, because mental health is not just Davidson County, Nashville. Mental health is Wilson County. It's, it's Bedford County. Um, it's Sumner County. It is it is surrounding us, and 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 it is much needed in uh, in every uh, every precinct or every uh, police department and sheriff's department. And so, my hope is that I would be a part of that to show that it can work and it will work, uh, and that it works very well. They, you know, uh, may take away from some some prisoners, but hey, last time I checked, uh, the, the people that worked in the jail didn't mind, didn't mind the slow nights. So, uh, you know, to, to take away from that stress and especially, you know, to take away from that stress of them dealing with people that they don't know how to deal with, that they're not trained to deal with, that would be wonderful. And Ms. Fee, before we conclude, any final thoughts about your involvement with the Partners in Care program? I hope to be around for a very long time. Um, mental health cooperative, I, I, I think, is a little piece of heaven on earth. Um, there are hundreds of people here, some people that I haven't even met yet, but because of the spirit and the culture of of uh, the organization that I have seen, um, everyone has love and compassion for other folks. Um, and, and and it takes it does take someone special to work in uh, in this area. Whether it is with our crisis counselors that answer the phones that are inside of the office, or whether it is our housing department, our path people, and such. You know, everyone. I mean, I, I don't know. I I can't. And so I. And I'm going to say this, too. There's probably some areas that I have not learned yet, but I'm pretty certain that if it has anything at all to do with helping people live the most productive, positive life that they possibly can, that it is happening over here at Cumberland Bend. So, um, the, I mean, I, I can't, I can't praise them enough. I just feel like uh, whoever, whoever came about to bring this program or this, this organization uh, to Nashville, that they had to be angels because it is needed and it's growing every day, and the ideas are growing. So uh, I'm just, I'm really proud to be a part of this organization and uh, the crisis co-response. Really proud. Michael, Ms. V, thank you both for joining us today. Thank you so much for having us and asking questions about this program. 
Thank you so much for having me on.